Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. I'm Jordan. Hey, guys. Hope you're having a great week. Um, it's been a nuts week in the news. Yeah. In, twi- in the Twitter world as well, which we're mm-hmm. kind of invested in. But No, every day there's something new. Um, we're very energized today. At least I am. I am. I'm, I woke up feeling good about this. Aside from the political transition that has been going on within the last week, the stock market has been facing a lot of new terrain Mm -hmm. with, I don't know if I would call it a scandal. It's a, it's a populist movement um, to kind of, I guess, stick it to institutional investors, hedge funds and kind of Mm -hmm. wall street, I guess Mm -hmm. you call it. And it's, it's meme stocks. Meme stocks. Yeah. Yeah. Social media has been absolutely exploding about the GameStop, AMC and basically spiraling companies that have now been boosted by Redditors and people on social media banding together to purchase stocks and um, increase them. So that's what happened yesterday. Within 24 hours, all of the Twitter universe exploded about this. And now we've got higher level institutions, elites and politicians speaking out and getting involved because they see this as a A threat. threat. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack about it. I think we should, I mean, we have found a lot of info and there's a lot of terms, a lot of like meme terms. Um, (laughs) But I kind of love this because I've never considered myself a gamer and Ella like, I mean, I guess we could be gamer girls, Um, but we're not. I mean, I play Wii. Jordan's definitely more of a gamer than I am, for sure. Like, she knows more about the world. And I didn't have a brother, so I didn't grow up really around video games. Uh But, I mean... I've dated guys that are gamers, if yeah. that counts. I mean, I would say most Gen Z, like, teenage boys at least have played video games yeah. at some point. So yeah. there's a whole universe, and now we're really seeing that tra- like just translate into an actual powerhouse, a financial powerhouse. Which is, I think it's kind of awesome, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we'd kind of dive in and kind of explain just a brief overview of what happened we kind of gave a little bit of context but i want our viewers to kind of have a understanding in case they haven't been keeping up with the news in the last 24 hours since all this is really new um so basically kind of what's happening is i would say like in the last mm, i don't know maybe like five to ten years um retail investment has become a really big part of the stock market and i think that that's why we've seen like okay, like unemployment's still really high. Um, okay, like we don't really have a plan for we're like past the pandemic. We're still we're in still the pandemic. We're still locked down. We, there's no the hope. hasn't come out fully yet. Yeah, and even with the vaccine, not everyone wants to take it. Um, you know, the, the 2K stimulus checks somehow just never got passed. Like there's a lot of financial uncertainty for like the common man and it's kind of led for people to make side money in um, the stock market. And with Robinhood becoming such a well-used app, it actually took away the $5 transaction fee that you used to have to pay, mm-hmm. um, whether it was with like Charles Schwab's or a, like more of an institutional investor like that. So institutional investors typically kind of hate and joke around on and kind of make fun of Robin Hood investors and say like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They're inflating like shares like Tesla, et cetera. So that's kind of like 
the history leading up to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a, with Robin hood for the people who don't know what Robin hood is, it's a fairly new app. I think it got released in 2013 um, to sort of make um, stock purchasing more of a game and for more people to design friendly. Yeah, yeah. Design friendly. It's super intuitive. I am a user of it. I have really liked it. And so it kind of has come at the perfect time to expose these institutional hedge. Well, for sure the hedge, hedge funds, funds. Yeah. And, um, so, sort of change the game for the stock stock market. Yeah. So I think that it's really interesting what's happening and they're exposing the people behind these hedge funds mm-hmm. and paving the way for new ways to invest and, in stocks and kind of debunk the system. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of what these hedge funds are doing. So, for example, like with GameStop, what they were doing was they were shorting the um, GameStop position. And what that means for anyone that's kind of unclear with that term is basically you're betting against the stock that it's going to do worse and then you're going to like profit off of that that's like Mm -hmm. the most simple way that I can describe it without getting too technical um and so all these hedge funds we're seeing okay this is a company we don't think is going to do well we're all going to simultaneously get on board to bet against the stock and that actually is very um you know harmful for the corporation because that's a way it decreases their ability to raise capital essentially. And so all these gamers were, you know, I I think it was a mix of um, kind of sticking it to the man, but there also was some real logic and financial reasoning behind this investment because Mm -hmm. they, the company has a new CEO. And I think you kind of talked a little bit about the CEO and kind of his vision for the company. So there really was, you know, some truth behind their investment. It wasn't totally like, Mm -hmm out of the blue and it, it doesn't deserve to be shut down, which is what has ended up happening today, you yeah. know, for a value, a valuation increase of 900% in 24 hours. That's definitely not just a product of chance or a product of people seeing GameStop on Robin hood and just buying up the shares They're between Reddit and yes, previous like CEO um, statements on why exactly GameStop would have been, a good investment. I think it kind of all conglomerated together to propel people to actually buy it up. But I have um, an excerpt that I found from Ryan Cohen, who just recently um, joined the board of directors at GameStop. He came out and was explaining that the reason why he joined on was because he started looking at the business model of GameStop and how, um, because we're still locked down, obviously people are playing a lot more video games, Mm -hmm. but some, but an area of the internet that doesn't actually allow gamers to try games. We don't have that. Interesting. You kind of have to go into a store to try a game out before you end up purchasing it. Everything else you can find illegal movies online. You can find illegal, um, music online. You don't have to go to the, into the store to buy those things anymore. Well, that's why Blockbuster. That's why yeah. Blockbuster failed. But video games and high quality video games, for sure, you can't do that. So, so you can't. You have to buy a disc still. Mm-hmm. Interesting. See, I'm so out of touch. But <laughs> okay, so interesting. So that's why, like, this is still a thing, but Blockbuster isn't. Yeah, I found some other stuff on Blockbuster, so he, but for GameStop especially, yeah, yeah, I think that that is a reasonable. Um, explanation as to why there could be some more value with GameStop and the pandemic. It's not a penny stock is what our point is. It's not like it is 
totally unsalvageable. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, there was a little bit of sticking it to the man. And you know what? Shorting, what people don't realize about shorting is that there's an infinite a level of loss whereas if you long a position where you when you buy a position Mm -hmm. there the lowest you could get is like you get to zero and you have to sell out like there's a finite amount of loss when you short something is way more dangerous because you have to eventually pay for that stock no matter how high it gets Mm -hmm. so there's just a lot more risk there's just a lot more risk involved and you know what like these hedge fund people they're educated they knew what they were doing and they're just kind of upset that it didn't go their way I think and they're kind of not taking ownership of their responsibilities and it really reminds me a lot of the 08 crisis where we fit we bailed out all these institutional banks and we didn't bail out individual people or communities that were suffering because of the 08 crisis Mm -hmm. you know I mean one could say that the government and certain political figures would obviously want to ensure that the the players of the 1% in these institutions, these banks, and these hedge fund managers are secured so that they have that 1% tax money that can be yeah. locked in for the government. Yeah. That would make sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, for me personally, I'm much more for just the average Joe figuring out ways to to make money have their money make money that's what investing is yeah figuring out how to put your money towards it making more money yeah without yeah I just think that's awesome yeah and I think that it is interesting that you know I think that Robin Hood really broke the barriers to the common man being able to invest on his own and kind of take advantage of um, the free market similar to that I think that originally social media was to give the common man insight into the corruption of mass media and the mainstream media and realize okay I don't need to go to CNN or Fox News or um, whatever to get my news I can do it myself I can go on the internet figure out the reporters that I want to listen to, go to the sites that I'm interested in, follow the people that I want to hear directly from, as opposed to having a third party be in the middle of that relationship between, like, it's so cool that you can follow your congressman on Twitter, see exactly what they're saying from the horse's mouth, and you don't have the media manipulating the information in between you and your congressman. It's the same thing with investing. Like, now you don't have to deal with an institutional investor if you don't want to. If you want to directly be in charge of you to that st- that company that you're trading, there's that relationship. And that is people who are elitist are scared of that direct relationship because it takes yeah. them out of the equation. They want more regulation. Exactly. They feel that they have more knowledge on the traditional ways to do things, that they need to keep that there, yeah. which is actually more of a conservative mindset if you think about it it is more conservative yeah no i'm i'm progressive in the sense that if we can find figure out better ways to do things while still having it be legal and ethical and possible Mm -hmm. then yeah i i think that Mm -hmm. i'm totally for that yeah so i want to ask you a question so on this podcast before we've talked about the disconnect between true liberalism and leftism and how Mm -hmm. leftism has corrupted the definition of liberalism whether that be um free speech or, or censorship or whether it be something like this where you're seeing the same reporters who have said oh you know we we you know we can't be can't be racist we can't be homophobic we have to be um on the side of of 
we can't be we're against hate speech all these things and that's kind of you know they've been able to hide a little bit more behind that argument but now something like this where you see um you know people's reddit accounts being taken down because they're racist which doesn't make any sense and then you see um people's uh robin hood accounts or stocks not being allowed to trade because of cyber bullying what do you think do you think that's going to cause people to wake up and realize okay wait a second here like maybe I want my free speech maybe I want free trade because it's kind of easier to see it Mm -hmm. when it comes to this scenario versus some of the other things that we've dealt with I would hope that this would wake people up because this this is a fairly neutral we're talking about finance and the economy and the stock market this is a fairly neutral ground we're not talking about identity politics we're not talking about climate change we're not talking about maybe some more sensitive subjects that people are very invested in right mm-hmm. now because the media has been pushing it a lot. Um, but I do see a lot of discrepancy with the media labeling labeling things that have nothing to do with hate speech or hate speech or bigotry or racism, and they're using those words because they know that people are so sensitive to those words. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done with this. There are multiple subreddit pages and um, like Discord servers. Discord is another gaming hub for gamers <laughs> to like go on and chat with each other. They are taking them down and saying that it's due to hate speech when – I mean, I don't think we'll ever be able to prove it. If they're taken down, how are we ever going to see screenshots of what the hate speech was? They're never going to prove that to us. They're just labeling it that so that they have some sort of moral high ground mm-hmm. as to why they decided to censor them. Yeah. And at what, where's the line of like actually demanding proof that the hate, that hate speech was the cause cause factor of yeah. that? Yeah. And I think that we, we've been warning about this on this podcast for, over a year now about this censorship issue and I warn people um you know if someone like Donald Trump who was the president of the United States can be taken down from Twitter because of hate speech they will come after you for reasons that are way less and this is the exact example of that you have people that are on Reddit who are gamers who probably don't care at all about politics honestly they probably most of them probably yeah they're they're yeah they're they in don't care they don't care they probably their main objective is like i want to you know i saw posts about people that were like i'm paying off my student loans i'm paying my mom's hospital bill these are people that are struggling in the pandemic trying to make some of their own money and you know what they're doing so in a legal way there's nothing illegal about this there's nothing um bullying about this or racist about this this has nothing to do with any of those topics and I think with free speech it was a little harder to see because um it was mainly conservatives that were being labeled free speech and that was a way kind of messier thing to fully digest for some people you have to be super invested to really understand all that but with this I think it's very easy for us to get united um and realize that the argument is not right versus left it's actually elite versus the people and you have people like AOC tweeting the same message as um Don Trump Jr. and Ted Cruz and you have um, Elizabeth Warren tweeting the same message and you see now that yeah Democrats and Republicans are united sort of saying the same things exactly on the same theme I love how you just said the elites versus the people it, that's what it's been about I mean elites are people of yeah. course but but when we're saying the people we're talking about the common American worker family member sibling daughter not billionaire jeff bezos yeah so yeah that's i think that's definitely the dichotomy 
Yeah, and it, and we've been. I'm sorry, but we've been. We're in a propaganda war right now. We are, especially with the pandemic, it has heightened it. And we have been told that lockdowns are going to keep us safe, that it's going to keep others safe. We've been given misinformation about the vaccine. Tulsi Gavin actually went on Joe Rogan and she actually explained the clinical research studies behind the vaccine and saying that um, basically it only decreases your symptoms. It doesn't actually help you spreading it like you can still spread it just as much if you didn't have the vaccine and there's all this misinformation about that and because it's so emotional we haven't been able to fully dissect that and it's allowed elitist people to keep controlling the narrative and make it so that we think that we're in this war of right versus left and we're missing the point it's it's a distraction it's a distraction yeah you're right i think the right versus left war (laughs) <laughs> and we're still learning as we go. Yeah. Before we would we would have said, oh, yes, this is a right versus left war polarization. Yeah. But now I've I can finally re- I realize that that's also a smokescreen. Just as the pandemic has been a smokescreen, it's all smokescreen. It's yeah. all smokescreen, and it's all yeah, it's propaganda trying to get us to think that this is a um, a political war. But I think it's a reality war, and it's a power war between yeah the elites and. Um, yeah, like this is a folks. this is a perfect tweet. The last 24 hours have revealed that the 1% versus the 99% represents a much deeper divide in the country than Republicans versus Democrats. And I love the example that you the visual you gave with the smoke screen. Mm-hmm. I have even been in this like smoke screen of oh like left versus right, like that's the real civil war and you're so right like they used it as a way for us to be confused about who the real enemy is because when you don't know like who your real enemy is, then you're just fighting in the blind and you Mm -hmm. don't know who your, who your real target is and you're going to keep getting screwed, you Mm -hmm. know? Well, I think that the elites knew that. I mean, you have to have a, um, the people have to have someone to set their, set their sights on as the enemy, Yeah, sort of like a, a figure to argue against. But, um, in reality, it's kind of them when you think about it. Yeah. I found another funny tweet. (laughs) Rich people, why don't the poor just invest their money? Poor people, okay. Rich people, dot, 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 wait, stop. (laughs) It's like, that's what they wanted. That's that's what they wanted. Um, I know, I had a, there was a really, I think the interesting thing is, um, there's another interesting topic. It's like regulation versus censorship. And I heard this really good guy on, I don't know if it was, it might have been, Bloomberg News or I don't remember but he was explaining this reporter was coming at him and the reporter was defending the hedge funds and he goes you know and he's he's calling to basically he's like oh we need regulation we need regulation and the guy's like okay if you want regulation then it needs to be across the board it needs to apply Mm -hmm. equally to institutional hedge funds investors and needs to apply equally to retail investors Mm -hmm. and maybe people just need to overall be more transparent about why they're making decisions but we cannot just say oh now because retail investors individual people are making money oh now all of a sudden we need censorship just for these people and just shut down <laughs> their ability censorship <laughs> yeah like it's it's ridiculous and i don't know it just i'm not surprised after processing all this today i thought of something just in terms of um looking back to what some of um like the app store and android app store or google play store have shut down um parlor which was an alternative to twitter 
Um, they definitely have the power to take down full-blown applications, which Robinhood is also an application. And it just scares me because since they've already turned over that stone of taking down not only accounts and not only tweets and putting um, labels on certain things, but they've also taken down the full platform from their stores, they could totally do this with Robinhood if they got enough complaints or threats or felt compelled enough that this would really disrupt mm -hmm. um, like the elite's system yeah. that much. Yeah. And then what would then what would these people do? How would we invest? How would we continue yeah. this retail investment trend? Um, I don't know. It's no, just it, something to think about. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Robinhood getting taken down from the app store because i don't think that that's out of the realm of possibilities like i've told people the craziest thing you can think of that could happen like that is the reality that we're living in right I now believe anything any yeah you really can yeah and i would say um i, th I think it was there was a new york someone in new york just sued robin hood as a company and what i think is interesting is kind of the next level up from robin hood is cryptocurrency which we were talking about and bitcoin and um these like blockchains and stuff which you could probably describe a little bit more in detail to people who don't mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um but i think that that is an interesting alternative because there's no like there's no C ceo of bitcoin that you or a customer service number or someone you yeah. can sue. Like it's, it's very anonymous. So it's almost protected in that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any okay, thoughts so on right that. Now, as of right now, what we know of about Bitcoin is that it is a decentralized currency or cryptocurrency. And yeah, it's not backed by an entity. There's no corporation behind it that you can call and mm -hmm. get help on mm -hmm. you. You purchase from miners and miners are in intertwined with like the engineers of the blockchain. So I sort of try to explain this as a blockchain is a digital mine where just how you go into a cave and you dig for gold and you come out and you have your gold. The blockchain is a synthetic digital cre digitally created sort of nether where um, miners go in and actually mine um, the Bitcoin. So um, as of right now, with that being decentralized, it's awesome because it wouldn't be attached to any government or any country. However, we don't know if there's someone really powerful and really wealthy behind that. And they're easily could be because there are a lot of globalists um, in America and a lot of them are amongst these wealthy elite, this wealthy mm -hmm. elite Freemasonry group. And so if one of them were behind Bitcoin or behind, say, Ethereum, another um, very large cryptocurrency right now, then that could be centralized. And then all the people that invested in their money in Bitcoin, thinking that they would be secured and that they would have control over it, if it ever became centralized again, then... We're back might, to square one. We're back to square one, and they might have lost a lot of money. So yeah. I haven't bought any yet because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, there are really big shifts going on in the political world, in the globalist economy, mm -hmm. and then and also um, the financial market. So it's a little too uncertain for me. Maybe maybe soon if it could mm -hmm. be more certain, then I would yeah. be more comfortable. Because I think it's a cool idea, I, but I just want it yeah. to stay decentralized. It right yeah. yeah, I think the idea of decentralized. Uh, markets gives me a lot of hope because I am such a like my ideology is freedom like I want free markets I want free speech I Same. want everything like 
I want everyone to be equal. I just equal opportunity. I want all of that stuff. It all sounds amazing and beautiful and great. And I wish that every place in the world could be <laughs> Utopia, like that. Yes. Utopia. Yes. But right now, like we're in where there's a lot of illusions going on. Like I think that we think that we live in a free market and I even thought I did for a while. And then I started seeing, okay, like all these big companies have institutional power. I was seeing the Bill Gates thing happen where you get to a level where you have so much money and you're such a monopoly where basically like regulators or government isn't a, there's no one stopping you. Like you're pretty much at a God level power level yeah. like there's nothing you've earthly got the money, you've got the resources you've got the connections you've got the infrastructure you've got the tech yeah you've got all the key you players. got the data you got yeah and and people like bill gates and jeff bezos have all of that and even yeah. elon musk too although i don't he hasn't done anything so far that is a serious red flag to me yeah yet, me either he could yeah and so i think the idea of decentralized um currency and, and kind of financial institution would be cool and I'd like to like study more of the history of it because I think that when the U.S. was being found um there was a debate between the founders and I don't I don't want to mess this up so I don't remember exactly who was for a centralized bank and who wasn't but that was a debate since like the beginning mm -hmm. time of our mm -hmm. country um and I I think it's very interesting and I think that you know, this is a populist movement and we've seen a lot of populist movements happen across the U.S. and also across the world. Brexit was a huge populist mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad that people like to diss on that and, and kind of put it populist into right and conflate that with right wing, because a lot of these ideas aren't right wing, like free no. markets, free speech, being an independent like Britain's choice to be separate from the EU, which the EU is a globalist institution. Like that's not, that doesn't make you far right. Like it, it no. really doesn't. No, I mean, from the words of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's administration, they're calling for unity that our country needs to try to unify right now, which I agree with. Mm -hmm. I want it to be natural. I want it to occur naturally. And what's happening right now with both the left and the right sort of engaging in this, um, like stock purchasing activity where they're coming together and disrupting the elite's institution. I love that. That's unity. Th this isn't a right or left sort of behavior. This is, this is just natural. People it's helping people. Memes. Like, that's <laughs> sick. So anyways. People yeah. helping people. To go back to the yeah. censorship thing, though, one thing that I did realize with, so everyone knows what cancel culture is. We've talked about that probably a billion times on this podcast. <laughs> At length. <laughs> um, I think cancel culture really started to manifest through people canceling people. Yeah. And then it went on to big tech canceling accounts. Yeah. And now it's big tech canceling full platforms. So it's really interesting, interesting seeing yeah. the evolution of how it's grown. And so I'll call it big tech cancel culture on full platforms like Parler and potentially Robinhood soon. Yeah. I don't think I could predict that they will, but I yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. I um, think what's, if it does come out in the next month or so, then I wouldn't be surprised. I think what's what this is showing is that you're you're right. I think that it's showing the the difference between um it's showing the parallels actually between like Twitter 
and Robin Hood because Robin Hood has actually with them today waking up and being like, oh, I went to go see if I could buy AMC just for like shits and gigs and I couldn't buy it. I couldn't buy GameStop and I buy them making that decision and not holding strong and giving into censorship. They're now like someone is pulling the strings behind yeah. the scenes and I, the I don't know who it is. Someone is pressing the buttons. Same thing with Twitter. Um, Twitter, it seems like they're more on board from an institutional level. Like Jack Dorsey is on board with whoever is pulling the strings behind him. But something like parlor, the minute you stand up to the person that's like, you know what? your app messes with our agenda. So now you need to get on board with our program. The minute that you say no, that's when I think your app goes away. And Robinhood is is in this middle ground. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if they will stand true to their company's values about mm-hmm. decentralizing trading or if they'll give in to institutional power because they're too afraid of getting kicked off mm-hmm. the app program. Well, I don't know. Let's hope that yesterday um, them stopping people from buying more shares was just a temporary like one-time occurrence because they were just getting completely overwhelmed and they would have like crashed or something but it'll be interesting to see if they continue to do that yeah. and follow along with robin hood and twitter are completely different business models robin hood isn't a social media twitter has nothing to do with finance so it's interesting how they can kind of engage with the same censorship um like activities although yeah in completely different ways. Yeah. So I hope Robin Hood doesn't comply with that theme. And I I hope that people are waking up to the hypocrisy because this has been the clearest it's it's been in in the last year, even though I've I've been able to kind of decode it a little bit. But I've just seen reporter after reporter be on the side of these these hedge funds and these institutional investors and being like, oh, like this is these Reddit people are so dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and these are the same people that say, domestic oh, terrorism. Yeah, there's <laughs> the same people that say that half the country are domestic terrorists and they're the same people that um, like, have you ever actually taken a step back and <laughs> thought like, why are they doing this? Like, I wonder, I wonder why people are are acting out. I mean, obviously, people doing this with the with the stock market stuff versus storming the Capitol are completely different ways of expressing your emotions. But what it is, is people trying to expose corrupt institutions. And I'm all for it because I don't believe it's a left or right issue. I think that this is a freedom issue. And I think that this is something that will seriously affect us if we continue to let them have the power. If we continue, maybe I'll just get off these apps altogether. I want to stay on Robin Hood. <laughs> I want to stay on Robin Hood if I can, if I can believe that they'll continue to, um, yeah, to care about the retail investors. Cause that's, it's a smart way to make extra money. Uh-huh. These gamers, I, I think they got their stimulus checks and we're like, let's just throw it in GameStop and AMC. Yeah. Like, AMC, think about it. <laughs> AMC, GameStop, BlackBerry. Not only are all of these and the spiraling pe- downwards companies, but they are perfectly coincidental with the gaming community. <laughs> Movies, BlackBerry phones, game, games, Nokia's, Nokia. Um, they also bought. They like bought a penny see. stock of Blockbuster. <laughs> but um, just to clarify to everyone, because I just want to make sure we're not saying that. We were for the storming of the Capitol. We already made that clear in our last podcast. But I think what we're saying is that, like, this is a better way to express your uh, your anger and frustration 
of elitism than mm. turning to violence. But it's funny that the elites are equivalating these two same things as equal things when they're actually not. Like one was a violent attempt and the other one was is people investing legally in stocks. So the fact that the media is trying to conflate the two as the same type of aggression and saying that both are racist, both are bullying, both are criminal is very odd to me. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because it's 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 mm-hmm. it couldn't be farther than a contrast. Mm-hmm. No, you know? you're completely right. I agree. I found something cool that I want to tell you. So um, it's called The Four Boxes of Liberty, Methods to Preserve Freedom. Mm-hmm. And the four boxes are the ballot box, the soap box, the jury box, and the cartridge box. What, what's the cartridge box? cartridge box is like a case to carry ammo or um, shells oh, for bullets. Okay. Like more shotguns. Okay. It's just like a metaphoric uh-huh. sort of. But if you think about it, for people who didn't feel that their voices were heard through the ballot box. And with censorship, our modern form of soapbox is social media. Mm -hmm. People feel that they can't make their voices heard through that due to censorship and cancel culture. And um, the jury box, you never know which that way is going to go with judges citing in certain ways that they feel might not have supported their thinking. And then you ultimately get to the cartridge box, which is violence. And we've seen all of these play out in completely different ways. And I just love that um, little analogy because I think that... um, That's how you get to violence is when you feel like the system in place is just like constantly not working for you. And we saw that happen all throughout like 2020, Um, with even like the riots as well that was the reasoning behind that Mm -hmm. so I think that that is like a very um, like true progression of things where you know I I don't know Mm -hmm. yeah totally maybe they should add one in there like crypto (laughs) your wallet box or something yeah you can make an impact through exploiting financial finding holes in the financial system i would say that this has honestly been way more effective than the stupid storming of the capitol infinitely more effective the people that stormed the capitol i was like do you guys actually like what's your plan here it's like a bunch of like it was a bunch of (laughs) QAnon, antifa random like maga people and i'm like what like what is the plan here like are you gonna get like you're gonna finally get in there like it made zero sense no long term i don't think they ever (laughs) thought of the repercussions and it might have seemed like a compulsive oh this is a great idea but there might not have been an actual logic behind it it made it yeah it made zero the whole thing i still don't understand it um i know i don't either (laughs) i I think that they're now finally realizing oh wait i think i pushed my party backwards like four miles i don't think i actually made a positive impact at all i hope that they're realizing that because i thought that that behavior was completely despicable so yeah but yeah yeah i understand how it gets to that point though yeah and between the elites and these institutions that have been so perfectly in their little bubbles, making the 1% more money. Then they're sitting here throwing tantrums now realizing, wait a minute, an average Joe, 18 year old gamer who's 
actually no 25 year old gamer who's probably still a virgin <laughs> just got a stimulus check money spends all of his he drinks monster energies and is on reddit until 3 a.m in the morning finds out oh wait maybe i'll just hop on this wall street bets page figure out where to put my stimulus check money all right okay everyone's in for gamestop let's do it tomorrow 9 a.m then like look what they did it's awesome they shook the country it's so cool to me yeah, like this is the best. These are some, these are, I'm just going to rattle off a few great tweets. It took fewer than 48 hours for the entire system to move against Reddit stock traders, ordinary Americans, in order to protect billionaires. Mm-hmm. Yep. I found, um, I found a quote from a legislator, Representative Ted Liu, who I think is a Democrat. He came out um, yesterday evening saying, I have concluded that investing in stocks is, stocks is virtually indistinguishable from gambling. He pointed out there's a big difference between maintaining a di- diversified portfolio and day trading. Yeah. So although that doesn't seem like there's a negative connotation behind it, he definitely has some sort of some sort of tood. <laughs> and well, it's sort of saying that these people who are degenerates in low life and who no- know nothing about the stock market have no place investing because they're just treating it like a game, but actually they're being successful with it. So, well, I mean, I have a different I have a different take on his tweet. I actually agree with what he's saying. Um, but I mean, my, no, I agree, but, but I, I was just highlighting the yeah. tone behind it. I think yeah. he's saying that with some sort of yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't really connotation there, to those people. There might be a tone, but for me, I actually don't. I don't pick up on that as much, and that just could be a personal take. Mm-hmm. But my personal take on it is actually pretty positive, and I think that he's saying, I don't know, just with my my degrees in finance, so I kind of have a little bit of an understanding of it. And I think that yeah, if you do participate in day trading, whether you're putting all this money in shorting something or you're all aggressively flooding the market for mm-hmm. one specific stock like that is both gambling you know but neither one is worse than the other and the fact that the it media the media is saying that the um that the gamers are somehow doing something illegal or stupid or not thought out or unethical it doesn't make sense like if you're day trading that is gambling if you have a diversified portfolio that you're holding in the long run that is that's that's just typical investing and there's way less risk than that Mm -hmm. but you know like do you want to take day trading away completely do you want to like have it be so overregulated? like how far do you want to go with this you know like once you open that discussion Mm -hmm. of you know, saying that, oh, people can't day trade, then I don't know. Like, how Obviously, how far do you want to take that? Absurd. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I mean, the definition of gambling is putting your money to an outcome that has a risk. Like, you could lose it. So that's, I mean, that's exactly what investing in stock is. You might not 100% know every outcome or um, how shares are going to, like, improve or decline. So I think... I think right now a lot of questions are being raised as to what needs to be regulated and where things need to be regulated because, I mean, I'm sure with the amount of turmoil that's now been exploded because of this whole thing, like there will be measures taken by certain groups to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But but does that mean that – like should this – 
stop happening? That's my question. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that it should stop happening because, like I said, there's two ways to invest. There's day trading, which is very risky and it's equivalent to gambling, legalized gambling, mm-hmm. and then there's diversified portfolios and then there's also like this crossover where like people will have the diversified portfolio and they'll make plays that are long versus short term and so once you start like trying to manipulate what type of trades people can make um it's just lack of freedom it's just lack of freedom and it's gonna like where does that end you know Mm -hmm. and maybe there could be some more regulation around I don't know, more transparency about why you're making a trade. But even that, I, it, it's hard to do, you know, because mm-hmm. people, there's emotion involved in the stock market. Like this is something that I've learned in my classes and talking to psychology. Yeah, there's so much psychology. And, you know, if you're holding a, a well diversified portfolio that you're trying to hold till retirement, the best advice is just like, don't rarely touch it, you know, like just don't, but if you're someone who's managing yourself, you're going to have a lot more emotion. And when you start to see, you know, back in March when everything started to go down, you're going to be more likely to just want to uproot everything and sell it very quickly. Mm-hmm. So in, until you can take emotion out of trading, I don't see how you can regulate it to such an extent where it's yeah. fair for everyone. It's not It's not only systematic and methodical. It's There's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think I think that a part of the success of the people who did purchase like GameStop and AMZ yesterday, there is a slight bit of luck and chance that it all conglomerated together and people actually did execute it. But I mean, do you think that people will have seen this whole scenario and will be inspired to continue and maybe would hit not as much success? I don't know. I think it'll depend on kind of what... Because people will remember this for a while. I yeah, think. I think it, it depends what the long-term play of these people are. I mean, I was reading one Reddit account where um, like someone said that this it's, it's an open letter to Melvin Capital, CNCB, Boomers, and WSB. And so what he's saying in this open letter is that he was a teenager during the 08 crisis and he remembered when institutional groups got bailed out and that to him, like investing in these companies, GameStop, AMC, et cetera, that it was a personal matter. He yeah. he didn't do it because he was trying to like make a quick buck. He was doing it because he was sticking it to the institutions. Mm-hmm. He was sticking it to these hedge funds that were shorting the stock and they were participating in legalized gambling. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the amount of volume that they had shorting GameStop was a huge amount of volume. Um, and so I think that he's saying that, I think that some people like this is a, a personal vendetta and I don't know if it will continue or if it will stop with this. I do think someone who is a finance major and, and kind of does understand the institutional side of things, I think doing this all the time can be dangerous, but also I think what we learned with this is it's not just individual people that are doing it. This has been happening with hedge funds behind mm-hmm. the scenes, mm-hmm. which is why the, the, the stock market does not reflect the actual state of the economy right now. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. You're right. I found a really good quote. Um, so Time Magazine, which is typically maybe more liberal, left-wing leaning, um, came out with a whole article explaining the strategy behind it and why people yeah. were um, 
I guess, encouraged or self-enabled to to actually buy up the stocks. And Jamie Cohen, a digital culture expert, he has a PhD in cultural media studies. He said, this has nothing to do with actual money. I've been tracking it since last Friday, but at the beginning it was likely a game. And then when people start having these back channels of conversations, they start posting secondary information being like, yeah, screw them, we've been dis- disenfranchised. So in these groups like Wall Street Bets on mm-hmm. Reddit, um, people, I think you have to have an invitation now to get in because they made it, Reddit stepped in and made it invitation only. Before yesterday it wasn't. Anyone could just go on and they were talking about GameStop and, and what they were going to do. And when they're st- saying quotes like screw them, like screw these institutions, it's definitely, um, that was definitely propelled by a certain feeling behind why they were discussing that. So I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I think that it's, you, you don't, like we said earlier, you don't want, don't like, do not be duped by institutions saying that they care about the people. Like we've seen this time over time again, and, and politicians do this all the time to get elected. Um, like, I think it was, it was Black Lives Matter that tweeted, oh, I think we just got used by the Democratic Party Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Biden, I don't think he met with them after he got elected or even after he got inaugurated. Um, I I think, you know, there was a, the Republican woman who was, I forget her name, who was running. Kelly Law. Yeah, she did the same. She, she totally, um, she had insider information about, the pandemic and the potential economic loss and sold all of her shares before everything crashed in March. So this happens on both sides. We're on the same wavelength because I just pulled up a tweet um, discussing like Pelosi's um, stock situation in the last year. She bought up a million worth of Tesla options at $500 right before Joe Biden's announcement that um, he was transitioning to electric vehicles. So that's complete insider knowledge. Somehow super convenient timing um, and the elites sort of using each other's connections to boost their own success with their... Yeah, and I think that we're seeing this marriage between um, the elites and kind of um, companies because insider trading historically was just about, let's say you worked for, um, I don't know, let's let's say you worked for Amazon and you knew something about, Mm. you're high up in Amazon, you knew something about why the stock, would increase mm-hmm. whatever and, and you release like that a new agenda. They were yeah. Yeah. And you, you use that information to um, make your own trades. Like that's kind of the most simplified version of insider trading. But now we're seeing this elite connection widespread net of insider trading, which is very similar to that example with Nancy Pelosi. And the example that I just gave is that, you know, your connections with these companies and with policy is driving so much of the stock prices of some of these mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not just about people like execs in the companies. It's about politicians as well. Mm-hmm. You know? No. Yeah. They're totally tied. Yeah. I like that explanation a lot. Yeah. I found another good tweet, um, from someone with not a blue check, but just a statement that I think is really, really good. 
We let half a million people die because a mass disease shutdown would have crashed the all-important stock market, which is so stupid that it's currently being gamified by Reddit <laughs> users to blow up a hedge fund worth billions. Anyway, probably nothing bad about our economic system. I like that. I mean, yeah, you lock people down and, and they lose their businesses and you can't figure out how to get stimulus checks out in a, in a reasonable matter. amount of yeah. time and an effective way. And then... They figure out other ways to to make money. Yeah. So that's exactly in a simplified way what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, and I like this one a lot too. They have rigged everything, silenced dissent with text censorship and financial deplatforming, rigged the economy with insider trading, rigged democracy with lob- lobbying, and mass immigration and they'll tell you with a straight face that racist net racist sorry i'm blundering this rednecks are the problem so what this is saying is that they're saying that um it's kind of that twist that we kind of told you where they they blurred the vision of who we thought was the real enemy and i think that you know we thought it was um racist rednecks which i mean there are the racism is like a, a problem in the u.s and there are racists but it's it's not as large of a number as we saw in previous decades and in previous generations. And I wouldn't say that it's that's, improved. it's not the only threat that's out there. There are some other things that are happening. And also like these companies by changing the definition of what racism is, it actually takes away by identifying, like it takes away the ability to identify real racist because when you say, oh, it's racist to have a Reddit um, community chat that is about sticking it to the hedge fund, then that is really confusing to people because you're like, wait, I thought racism was when you believe that being white was better than being black. Like, that's what I thought the definition of racism is. Why does it have to do with these people trying to say F you to a hedge fund? I don't yeah. understand. I don't yeah. understand when the definition changed, you know? I don't either. I don't and either. it's to distract us from. A, being able to identify real racists and B, being able to identify the other problems that are going on, like rigging the economy with insider trading, rigging the democracy with lob- lobbyists and silencing dissent with tech censorship, which are all mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. problems. Like, oh, sorry. Completely. And I would argue that some of those might be a higher priority than certain ones. I mean, racism 100% is a priority. It's just how do we... How do we, yeah, we have to make sure we gear our attention to all of these things, yeah, and not just isolate you can't you can't view anything in a tunnel, whether it's how to deal with a pandemic or um how to deal with racism or how to deal with um censorship. You cannot view any of it in a tunnel because once you do, you will miss pieces of the truth that will connect you to finding out who the real enemy is in the situation for sure. So going back to how you address like the 08 crisis or whatever, I'd like to point out for anyone who hasn't realized, like if you're a millennial or Gen Z, you've lived through both or two pretty much recessions right now. Yeah. And so that is apparently, um, what they're saying is generational anger seems to be one of the most like motivating forces behind this whole market upturn initiative. And there's been a study that says, um, indicating jumps of deaths of despair (laughs) among like young adults facing like uncertain financial situations. Like, Yeah. yeah, looking forward, how are we supposed to have real faith 
in the financial system right now or the economy. I don't feel like I have that. Yeah, millennials only control 4% of the U.S. wealth. Um, and I think that that is really telling. And a, a part of it, okay, part of it is personal decision-making, right? I think millennials and Gen Z, like, we're very into hype culture. People spend more. Um, people aren't buying houses as much. So I'm not saying that that isn't somewhat, per, like, personal decision making but a part of it is that a I've done a lot of research into how generations um, interact with each other and the boomer generation has done a horrible job passing on a authority and wealth to people they have held on to it and you can see this with 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 um with uh people like Bill Gates who are extremely old and have all this billionaire institutional power you can see that with politicians on both the right and the left mitch mcconnell nancy pelosi diane wine uh, diane feinstein all these people are way too old they're all 80 years old should not be running congress congress their net worth is a huge amount and they're basically career politicians so you're seeing this kind of generational struggle where boomers have held on to the power and the wealth for so long and they have not done a good job educating and training the next generation um i agree passing the torch yeah we have gotten rid of basic financial literate literacy and i don't think it's a coincidence i think that when people are financially literate they they make good just they make better decisions for themselves and they're able to be more responsible and i think that millennials and have not been given those tools in order to be incentivized to make good decisions. We didn't even get a class in high school that was obligated by the state to teach us basic financial management. Yeah. Nobody understands. And we did like what a summer course on just basic economics. This this summer course. We had, if if (laughs) high schools made kids take a, a business finance econ hybrid, just one class. Super basic. We would be so much better off. I would. I will go to the grave with that. And you know what? I don't think that there's an incentive. I'll go this far. I don't think that there's an incentive for people who are in elite positions to give people that education because why would they? If they have the knowledge and other people don't, it just increases their power. It increases their wealth. It increases that generation's ability to keep creating and managing wealth and it's it's the same dynamic that is going on with this whole reddit thing it's it's mm-hmm. people finally being like okay i'm gonna figure out a way mm-hmm. to figure this out mm-hmm. and people all of a sudden they don't like that pushback yeah you know no agreed because it it's a threat in a way yeah them. so I, I finally just saw the aoc tweets this is so interesting it is really interesting she goes, i very much agree with what she's saying we now need to know more about Robinhood's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are freely able to trade the stock as they see fit. So she is for the peop speaking for the people, the retail investors in the situation. And yeah, that's a that's a testament to we've got people on the right speaking out about it in support of the people and then people on the left. So let's yeah. let's find some common ground, hopefully. Um, I think that that's like the most positive thing that I've seen about this. Like as we're kind of wrapping up this episode is that I, I really do love the potential for common ground to be made because I think that if we have any chance as a society to move forward in a more positive direction, to live in a place that is more inclusive, more unified, um, has more wealth to the average citizen, we need to take advantage of any opportunity to come together and 
really push back because we need to hold on to these freedoms because they're not just they're not just guaranteed like they're for us to claim for sure you know I mean we were given free will with the start of humanity and we those of us who were born in America we were we've been given a lot of privileges but they're not yeah they're not exempt from disappearing one day depending on who's conducting the outcomes so yeah it's definitely not um infinite yeah Mm -hmm. that's the word yeah freedom Mm -hmm. isn't infinite i found a really good quote from jfk that said those who make peaceful revolution impossible also make violent revolution inevitable so like this this is a little mini revolution these little gamers coming out figuring out how to take advantage of the hole they saw in the system with Robin Hood and uh, retail investing. And that was, that's in a way a peaceful revolution and lawful and same with like peaceful protesting that's lawful. So if those are taken away, like the app store getting rid of Robin Hood or preventing ways for people to do that, banning people on Twitter, banning yeah. people on Twitter, censorship as, as a whole, that is, leading towards violent revolution. Yeah. So we need to make sure that that doesn't happen. And <laughs> yeah. 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 When people feel like they can't use their words, it's like a little kid. If they can't talk, they're gonna punch their sister. That's just, that's the reality of throw it. throw a tantrum. Then you're gonna have to do a little <laughs> whining and it sounds I, horrible. I don't want and they start, start a tantrum slobbering. revolution. I think that we don't need it. We have a really good thing going on here we do (laughs) so far it's been a great um you know yes america has had a a rough past um but every every society every country has and we've made a lot of progress very fast and um i'm really happy with where we have come and I don't want to just throw it all away because Same. when we do that, it creates chaos and it creates whoever's the most powerful is able to quickly grasp the situation, take control, and then it doesn't benefit anyone whatsoever. So if we can – and violence is always like the last last option and I, I don't like violence at all and I don't Not ever – so I want people – be around though. I want people to see this this game stock thing and look at it and, and be like, oh, okay – um, that was a check as an elitist. Like that was a check for me and I'm gonna yeah, let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to grasp even more onto power because that's yeah. that's gonna just lead they to- They realize their position much more. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, I love that. I just want to be a, a thoughtful check. Just mm-hmm. a thoughtful little, okay. I think, when, <laughs> I think that one day that we all remember when we fully went on lockdown, I remember it so vividly that's when I really had a wake-up call going, okay, things can change like the wind and you don't have control over everything. So, yeah, that's why we need to work to preserve these, um, I would say I would say a fundamental right mm-hmm. to freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to express yourself, whatever, and realize that that can go away pretty yeah. quickly too. Yeah. So... Yeah, it takes effort to consciously think about that and process that on a on a day to day basis, and yeah. not just think in the back of your head, "Oh, like yeah, that never happened. That never happened. No, anything can happen. <laughs> Anything's possible. No 
what you believe in and what is important to you and don't be afraid to um address that and speak your mind stick it to the man i think we've said that like 50 i i love i love stick it to the man yeah. i do <laughs> i just love the whole concept of the little guy versus the big guy david and goliath mm-hmm. yeah yeah gamers versus elites gamers yeah. versus deep state <laughs> and don't forget to save amc yes amc i miss movie theaters a i know lot. i know well yes hopefully soon we'll be at movie theaters again mm-hmm. um Maybe this will give AMC the push to or the push to make it through the pandemic. We'll see. Definitely. But is there anything else you wanted to add? Any final thoughts? No. Um, just wanted to tell you guys to like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. It's really important you subscribe. <laughs> I'm begging you, if honestly. If you have any thoughts, comment because we're interested to know what you think. And uh, we'll be back really soon. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>